Episode 157, Don't Confuse Your Ease. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, elite educators. Did you tune in to episode 155 with my edgy buddy, Angela Watson? We talked all about balance and productivity. If you struggle in this area, listen up. Don't let anyone make you feel like you're to blame or you just need to manage your time better. There is nothing wrong with you. The problem is the overwhelming demands of the job. And when you're overwhelmed, you don't have the time, the energy, or the mental bandwidth to figure out how to change. And you're too exhausted to follow through anyway. You need an actual plan, a teacher-tested system that's guaranteed to work and ongoing support so you don't have to figure everything out on your own. Well, Angela created the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, which is the solution to teacher overwhelm. It is a professional development on productivity. It's for teachers by a teacher to help you trim three, five, or even 10 plus hours off of your work week. So Angela's dedicated the past four years to developing and refining the club materials so that there's a proven system that has freed thousands of educators to be their best selves both in and outside of the classroom. So Each month, she gives you a plan for simplifying one aspect of your teaching, and you can use as many or as few strategies as you'd like. They're just some few small tweaks to your mindset and your daily routine and one area, and you're going to start moving the needle. That way, you feel relief from overwhelm immediately. You can even jump in and out of the resources whenever it's convenient for you. Some teachers read over them with a cup of coffee on Saturday mornings, and others listen to the audio version during their Monday morning commutes. There's literally no pressure to keep up or do it all. That would just create more overwhelm, right? So use only the ideas and the printables that jump out to you through a quick skim of the month's materials, and you can always come back to anything you skipped later as you'll keep your access to all the materials for the rest of your teaching career. No extra cost. Here's what you get if you decide to join the club clear, actionable, classroom-tested steps. And that's for 52 weeks. You get a positive, supportive community. You've got coaches and thousands of other teachers that are going to share ideas, answer your questions, and provide encouragement and accountability. Printables and templates. That's more than $450 worth of forms and teacher resources, plus free bonus materials like video trainings, the 40 hour teacher workweek list making system, and the big five tips for teacher productivity. You get a PD certificate that adds up to 104 continuing education hours. And lastly, ongoing support indefinitely. You've got lifetime access to the membership site and the Facebook community. So if you're like, yes, 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 I need this, here's what you need to do. Go to 40htw.com. That stands for the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek. And when you're purchasing, just enter my name, Gretchen Bridgers, or you can put my email, Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com, as the person that's referring you. Early bird access has already opened on June 5th. 
That means there's access to all the June club materials, which is summer planning, home organization, bonus materials, and sharing ideas in the Facebook group. The official open dates for the 40-hour Teacher Workweek Club is July 1st through 18th. That is it. So all of you elite educators deserve to take charge of your professional and personal life. And the 40-hour Teacher Workweek Club is the answer to finding your zen. In fact, the motto states, small changes add up to big results. So sign up today. Remember, visit 40htw.com. And when you're purchasing, enter my name, Gretchen Bridgers, or my email, Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com, as the person that referred you. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. Hey, hey, elite educators. It's Gretchen here of Always a Lesson. Thanks for tuning in for another great week of learning. Of course, I have learned another valuable lesson. I'm not going to keep it secret. I'm not going to hold it to myself. I want to share it with you in hopes that it makes you better for all that you serve. And because you're tuning in and learning along with me, that is what makes you an elite educator. And I thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show. It's an honor that you value it enough to come back each week. Thanks so much. Special shout out to those of you who keep going to iTunes, leaving ratings and reviews. It certainly puts a pep in my step, motivates me to continue moving forward, and as always, tells iTunes to keep pumping out the show. Well, today I want to talk about the power of engagement and empowerment in the classroom and how to not confuse the two. So let's reignite your passion and potential. Are you ready? Here we go. So the rationale for this particular episode is I was perusing Twitter. I know, I know, many of you continue to push back on entering the Twitterverse, saying you just don't get it. But trust me, you are really missing out on connecting with educators who absolutely love their career and who are change agents in their schools. I use Twitter for mentorship. Don't make fun of me, but it's true. I've found some seriously significant learning by connecting with educators and participating in Twitter chats. But this episode is not about, you know, the power of Twitter, although I could definitely talk about that for hours, especially because I can attribute a ton of my growth as a person and obviously an educator from that specific social media platform. But as I was saying, I was thumbing through my feed and I stumbled across one of my all-time favorites, George Kuros. If you haven't heard of him before, he's this Canadian educator with a website called The Principle of Change, Stories of Learning and Leading. And that's where he blogs about, you know, the principal perspective. He's a pretty powerful thinker in the world of education. And in fact, I better link his TED Talk in the show notes. It's called Hashtag Our Voice. And it's where he discussed developing leadership with innovation, you know, that's really best for kids. It's pretty funny and relatable and, of course, brilliant. Um, you know, I wish schools would give PD credit for educators participating in Twitter chats and watching TED Talks because they're just so informative. I mean, way better than lots of the required PD out there, in my opinion. But I digress again. Bear with me. So I saw his tweet that said, Engagement is more about what you can do for your students. Empowerment is about helping them figure out what they can do for themselves. Hashtag innovators mindset. 
which, you know, by now that hashtag kind of sums up his initiative as an educator, and it's also the title of a book he wrote. This particular post had only been up there on Twitter for like a few hours. It already, by the time I saw it, had like 600 likes and 300 retweets. I was like, wow. So he definitely inspired a lot of people with that one thought. And if you are interested in following him, his handle is at G-C-O-U-R-O-S. So needless to say, I stopped scrolling. I liked it. I reshared the tweet. And then I just sat for a minute. And that's when I know that I stumbled upon something great when I just need a moment to process. You know, I had to really grapple with it for a minute, assess my personal thoughts on what he said, and then just appreciate that we have educators out there doing such great work for our kids every day. I mean, how could you not want to be part of that? So I took a snapshot on my phone to just remind myself that I wanted to talk to you about what he said. And so here we are. His tweet resonated with me at first because, you know, I'm like huge on empowering kids. And well, you should know that because this podcast is about empowering educators. So it's just in my blood to hand over the reins and help others navigate their ship with the right motivation and guidance from the sidelines. And so the more I pass the baton to my kids, the better they did in the classroom. I really wish it hadn't taken years in the classroom to figure out that I needed to let go But, you know, I always thought showcasing my power and influence in the classroom was by controlling every ounce of it. And so I guess in a way, empowering kids still allows for control, but just in a different way. You know, I then set up tons of structure and procedures and expectations so that I can empower kids. So instead of controlling things in the moment, I was controlling things prior to the moment and then kids regulated themselves in the moment. Pretty cool, right? Powerful and pretty darn effective. So after I fell in love with this tweet because it hit home for me and my style in the classroom, I started to think about what he said. Engagement is more about what you can do for your students. Empowerment is about helping them figure out what they can do for themselves. And this is the powerful part because I think teachers just assume if their class is engaging that their kids are empowered to take ownership in their learning, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Just think about it. You could go to a movie or see a live show and be totally engaged, not miss a beat, but you're doing zero percent of the work. So you're not empowered to take ownership in your engagement. You're just a passive participant, which is fine because that's the whole point of a movie or a live show. But in the classroom, educators aren't the entertainers having students sit for six plus hours watching the best show of their lives. And even if we did assume that this was our role, well, kids would exit having had a great time, but you know, limited acquisition of knowledge and definitely slim to none possibility of application of the knowledge. So we really need to think as a group what these two E's mean to us and our mission to educate kids. It might be important actually for teacher leaders to introduce this brainstorming activity with staff during back to school PD so that everyone is on the same page in terms of 
what we want with our E words, empowerment, engagement. I think it would be interesting to see how people define it before we come together collectively and define it in terms of what it looks like for our school and looks like for our kids and looks looks like in our classrooms. For example, me personally, I want engagement in my classroom to look like students sitting on the edge of their seat during a mini lesson, actively talking to peers about their new knowledge, you know, producing work to really showcase this application. That is students doing the work, but it's still not empowerment because I'm the ringleader. And because of that, my E stays at engagement, which is fine because, you know, that's what I was going for in that particular lesson. But my long-term goal as a teacher to a class of, I don't know, 20 plus kids is to empower them to advocate for their needs, to lead their learning, and for them to support their struggling peers. And that isn't something that happens in one lesson or something that I can turn off and on like engagement. So to empower my kids, I actually have to create an environment so that students can take over. But that really takes a lot of time. And you can't just say, you know, hop on this device and learn something. I mean, that's still passive engagement. And as the leader in the classroom, I have a ton of prep behind the scenes to design a classroom culture and environment and lessons that will help students develop the skills to really become empowered. And that means I have to decide what is my ideal scenario for what empowerment looks like in each specific lesson. Uh, For example, maybe uh, in my third grade classroom, students watched a video snippet as homework before arriving to class. And then once they were there, they visited various centers filled with a variety of uh, informative sources. That way they could showcase maybe the pros and cons of a specific issue that was highlighted in that video snippet. And then they'd follow that by a quick mini lesson from me on how to develop a thesis statement, um, a very pared down, remember this is third grade, whereas then students would get into discussion groups to put their perspectives into writing Uh, I don't know, before coming together as a class then to participate in a fishbowl discussion, you know, to argue their point of view. So with that example, once I pinpointed the outcome, which is very specific student behaviors, I have to set up the structure so that students know how to learn on their own, the procedures so they know how to transition, uh, get materials, talk to each other, as well as the expectations so students know how to remain engaged the entire time with limited intervention on my end. So now, now you might be thinking like, well, what the heck are you doing the entire time? Do you have your feet up on the desk, you know, perusing your favorite magazine? <laughs> No, (laughs) just as hard as it was to prepare this whole thing, the teacher in the room is really busy, you know, circulating, leaning and listening, collecting data, pulling small groups, supporting students one-on-one. You're just a busy bee. I mean, it's a whirlwind for everyone, but because you have a timer set up, your eyes are everywhere and students know how to navigate what I call a mature learning environment, well, engagement's now high. And more importantly, it's translating to learning that's going to be retained long term. So I ask you in the example that I had shared with you, where is the engagement and where is the empowerment? Because we don't want to confuse our ease. The engagement is any student action. So the listening, the writing, the talking, the reading, etc. The empowerment is the student ownership. 
So when they're pre-learning with that video at home, when they're in their centers researching, going through all those different materials and pulling out the information, when they're collaborating with their peers and sharing perspectives and pertinent information, and lastly, when they go to showcase their learning in that fishbowl debate. So those are examples of ways in which students are in the driver's seat. Yes, they also count as engagement, so kind of double dipping, but These are examples of when the teacher is hands-off. You know, students are completely hands-on, gaining skills without the direct influence of the teacher. I mean, sure, they did that because the teacher put everything in place so that students could be successful. But the teacher isn't, you know, debriefing the video, leading a lengthy whole class lesson on thesis writing, um, orchestrating a student discussion or orchestrating that fishbowl activity. And when you're rolling things out, it is going to be, you know, heavily teacher directed so students can see and feel how to correctly participate. But each time that you utilize that same type of activity, students take over more and more on their own to the point that it becomes self-running. And that allows you, the teacher, to do more than just, you know, the logistical organization and running instruction. You can actually roll up your sleeves and get in there to work more closely with students. So that's the win here is we're actually gaining time with students by front-loading all this work and structure so that students are leading their learning so that we can individually support students that need it. And that's really the power of the ease. You know, they work together, but we cannot mistake one for the other. We as educators have to be intentional about what we're doing and why. It takes a lot of forethought. You cannot just show up and teach and be done. And you can't just draft up a lesson plan the morning of. You have really got to put a lot of time into that prep phase so that in the moment, you're 100% present to help students navigate their learning. And plus, once you have the structure set up, just repeat the same structure, but mix up the activity. That way students get even more practice and it becomes you know, routine to always transition a certain way or always turn and talk a certain way way or always gather materials a certain way. You don't have to recreate the wheel every time you do something. The more you can just create one routine and simply swap out the activity, the better everybody else is and the quicker you get to that student ownership. So as George stated, engagement is more about what you can do for your students and empowerment is about helping them figure out what they can do for themselves. You know, engagement's all your tips and your tricks to get students involved in the lesson, but you're heavily orchestrating it all. The empowerment is a step further and it's a true measure of a master teacher when you can pass the learning baton so students are leading their learning while you dive deep with individual students. It's not an overnight thing. Kids need time to grapple with this feeling of, you know, they're now in control and how to manage their time and the expectations and these new ropes. But your structure and support ensure that they don't veer too off course and they get the hang of it real quick. And in fact, once they get the taste of that empowerment, they don't want to have it any other way. You know, parents used to tell me, Ms. Schultek, that was my maiden name, Ms. Schultek thinks her kids are in college. And, you know, it, I didn't think that, but what they were trying to say is, you know, that I put a lot on my kids. And yes, I know that they're eight and nine, but I give them what I know that they can handle. I required my kiddos to take charge of themselves. I had very high expectations for keeping materials for, you know, five different subjects organized and at the ready and managing their time with limited reminders on my end and, you know, doing nearly everything for themselves instead of putting it off on their parents, which was 
such a huge battle. And it was quite the shock for kids entering my classroom. Well, one, the jump from second to third grade is huge, just in terms of responsibility. And then you've got content expectations because there's testing. But I knew my kids were able if we just treated them like they were able. You know, no more checking your kids' folder. They are to deliver that folder and its contents to you. No more running after them with their forgotten lunch or homework. You know, it's on them to gather their own belongings. And you might think I'm crazy because these kids are young and you might think I run like a boot camp. (laughs) But I promise you it was the best thing I did because it made room for learning. And all that other stuff was eating up so much of my time with kids. You know, I couldn't spend 20 minutes every morning talking with students about their forgotten homework or tying shoelaces or sending kids to the office for those forgotten items. I mean, we've got to dive into learning immediately. And I had the structure in place to have a self-running system for things like attendance and homework check and morning work so that when that bell rang, I started class. You know, I wasn't doing these managerial tasks and you know, we have such limited time to cram so much content in that I had to start trimming my day. And the more that kids could take on, the more I could be doing what I do best and that's teach. And besides these life lessons of, you know, managing yourself as a learner, it really comes in handy as the year went on and, you know, the expectations were increasing um, because we started to transition to a departmentalized model. And all the other classes were struggling with like materials and swapping rooms and forgetting assignments. Oh my God, it was a mess. My class was more than ready. And that meant year after year, they were going to be ready for the ownership and the leadership and their learning. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort to build a class where, you know, the goal is for students to run it. And don't tell me you can't do it because you have Johnny or Susie or whomever who can't handle it because they have a behavior or cognitive struggle. You know, I had reading levels from level A to level Q, and they were supposed to be on an M in third grade. So I managed to get all those learners to succeed in this one structure. I mean, sure, their output is different, uh, but my most unpredictable, emotionally irrational child was able to show up on time, learn with her peers, produce great work samples, and she enjoyed learning. I mean, it's really weird. It's like somehow the more rope translated to more motivation, which of course translated to more engagement and thus more empowerment. You know, the more I let my kids do, the more they showed up to the experience armed and ready to learn. And I think they'd showed up in the summer just to lead their own learning if I let them. We can do this, y'all. We can do this with every kid at every age. And sure, it's going to look different, you know, what kinders can do versus middle schoolers. But the point is we all start somewhere. You know, fourth grade teachers always stop by my room and would say, you know, I can totally tell which kids you had last year. (laughs) And it was what such a compliment, but what a testament to the hard work of my kids to be able to build up their stamina for learning and their leadership and taking charge on their own journeys. They were ready for more physically and emotionally and mentally because of that foundation that we built together. And yes, you're going to have days where it's like pulling teeth. They're going to regress. Your lesson's going to bomb, but that's life. And it's certainly life as a teacher. However, you then just come together as a class, state the obvious, y'all, this ain't working. (laughs) Let's regroup. And together, you're going to get back on track. They are just as important in the equation as you are. So as we prepare this summer to go back to school, don't wait for required PD to tell you what you need to do this year. 
Decide for yourself. Make goals for yourself and your future students like I'll put my kids in the driver's seat or I will become more structured so my kids can be more free. Now those are kind of vague goals but in terms of what you're trying to articulate are ideas towards those things. So whatever your goal, have not include the ease and don't get them confused. You can have engagement without empowerment. <laughs> Start small, sprinkle engagement in every lesson that you design, and just build up until every moment students are active in their learning. And a side note, you're going to have moments where you have to direct instruct. Like, you just can't get around that. But you can add in, like, turn and talks and stop and jots and hand signals or whatever to just get the students more active instead of sitting and staring passively. And once you have engagement high and all lessons every day, now you're ready to start moving towards empowerment. Now, if you're like me, you can actually start empowerment day one, just not with the instruction part. You know, like thinking back to my example before, having kids take over attendance or collecting and checking homework or distributing morning work, whatever those managerial tasks are, as long as students are capable and it's age appropriate, you know, teach them how to do in the sales. There's no reason for you to do something that kids can do for themselves. You're not going to stand there bored. Trust me, you'll be busy doing other things like using your degree to impart knowledge on students every moment they're in your care. And that is quite the upgrade in your time. And learn from my mistakes. Don't try and do a bunch of stuff at once. Just pick one thing at a time to roll it out. Get really good at it before adding something else. You know, I did attendance day one and then I added morning work helpers, I don't know, maybe a month in. But it took forever <laughs> to pass on the homework checking task because kids were not in the groove of having all their ducks in a row to even think about them managing each other. But that was the reality, I knew it was my end goal and every day I attacked it from the angle that they were going to lead it so I could teach. And eventually you could spot the empowerment through my lesson, whether it was a timekeeper or table captains or technology support. Students were the boss. They were in the driver's seat. And eventually I started adding instructional bosses like, you know, self-running book clubs and, and lessons where students did a bulk of the learning prior to showing up so that they could spend the time with me applying their knowledge. But all that took so much time. <laughs> and if you're just starting out, just go for engagement and get really good at that and worry about empowerment later. And some of you are ready to jump right into empowerment because you got the engagement thing down. And that's awesome. In fact, I want you to email me all your success stories. I would love to hear them. Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. I think I've been on my soapbox a little too long today. <laughs> If you can't tell, this is a topic I get a little excited about. <laughs> I don't even know how fast I was talking. My southern accent probably came out real good <laughs> because I was just like, ah, so happy to share this with you because it is something that transformed me as an educator. As I help new teachers, it's helping them transform their own teaching. Everyone's elevating their proficiency in the classroom, which you know does wonderful things for students. So I hope you listened and got a few ideas for what you think you can do starting in the fall. And please share with me how everything is going because I just love talking about empowerment in the classroom. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on elevating our effectiveness in the classroom through intention by not confusing our ease, engagement with empowerment. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network. 
a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.